Our theme this year, hopefully by now you've seen it in one platform or another, is Eyes on Jesus. And I love this graphic. Sarah Holt put it together using her magical design talents, um, and it's just awesome. Um, it, I know there's like a, an old hymn that talks about the all-seeing eye. Um, I'm, that's not what we're going for there, but it's this idea that um, our focus has got to be in the right place. In 2024, I have no doubt uh, that the enemy is going to be trying to work to distract us in so many different ways, and uh, he's good at that. He really is. And so our, our hope is that we can keep our focus together on the one who's in heaven, keep our eyes on him. And as we think about that, uh, we're going to be turning a lot of our time in the pulpit and our attention to Jesus. Uh, we're going to be thinking about Jesus, learning from Jesus, letting Jesus question us, and, and we're going to be striving to follow his teachings and certainly his example. And those things are not always easy things, uh, but I think it'll be good for us uh, all the way around. So I'm, I'm excited for this theme. Thank you to Sarah for putting the, the design together, and thank you uh, for uh, using your talents in that way. And so since we're focusing on Jesus, our theme verse actually is going to be from Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're actually going to spend the next few weeks just in Hebrews chapter 12. If you want to open your Bibles, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 is where you want to be. And as you do, I want to read for you a story about Sarah. As dawn painted the sky in hues of orange and pink, Sarah, who had by now become an avid runner, embarked on the final leg of her journey towards the city marathon. Her preparation for this day had been more than just physical. It was a symphony of dedication and discipline and determination. For weeks, Sarah had prepared by adhering to a rigorous training schedule. She woke up with the sun to pound the pavement. Uh, The early morning air fueled her strides. Long-distance runs gradually became a part of her routine. Uh, Weaving through the streets, her breath synchronized with the rhythmic beat of her heart. Nutrition played a pivotal role in her regimen and training. She meticulously planned every meal. And she ensured a balance of carbohydrates for energy and protein for muscle repair and hydration for endurance. But beyond the physical, Sarah nurtured her mental resilience. Each night she would imagine the course. She would visualize each mile as she conquered it. And she would envision the triumph, tri- triumph of sprinting toward this finish line. Finally crossing the tape with her arms raised high in victory. Uh, I tell that short story to say that following Jesus is a lot like a marathon. Um, I speak from experience. When you looked at me this morning, you said, there's a guy who's a runner. He's a runner, I can tell. (laughs) But I can tell you that following Jesus is a lot like a marathon because Scripture uses this analogy, and specifically in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, the writer is going to make this comparison between following Jesus and the race of faith. Uh, To run, we've got to decide that we're going to run in a marathon. That's a big part of the journey, just making that decision, setting the date, signing up for the race, uh, beginning the training. You've got to prepare, both physically and mentally. Uh, and so, 
with this analogy, we're going to embark on thinking about our race as Christians. I'm going to ask you, since you're nice and comfortable now, uh, to go ahead and put everything, get uncomfortable, and stand up with me. And let's read from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, together. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, here we go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You may be seated. There are several lessons we can draw from today's scripture. We start with the very first word, which is the word, therefore. Uh, Therefore, anytime you see that in scripture, and you've heard this before, uh, therefore always connects with what's before. Well, what's before Hebrews Hebrews chapter 12 uh, is Hebrews chapter 11. Ah, see, that's very wise. Hebrews chapter 11, what's it about though? Hebrews chapter 11 is about the heroes of faith, this, this cloud of witnesses, And so, uh, one of the things that we just get in the very first word is it's very important, it helps us to have a hero in the race of faith. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, if you're in your Bible and you're looking at Hebrews chapter 11, just look at the last two verses of Hebrews chapter 11. Verses 39 and 40 read this way. All of these, talking about all of these people that have been listed, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Okay, they all had faith, but they never saw the realization of that faith. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Okay, this, this reminder is that those who've gone before you in Hebrews chapter 11, you've been preceded by this great cloud of witnesses, this, these men and women of faith who walked by faith and trusted God in so many different ways. Therefore, as we consider them, may we consider us. If, you, if you're going to have a hero in the faith, it should encourage you to be a hero in the faith. Well, Let's think about this for just a second. Why, why do heroes matter? Why, why do you spend all this time talking about all of these stories and these accounts of men and women whom we know? Why do you take the time to do that? Well, let's think about it for just a second. If we, if we go with a non-biblical example. Heroes are people who show you what's possible. Heroes are people who show you what's possible. Uh, they're, they're witnesses to what is possible. Uh, for years, the world didn't think that a human being could run a mile in four minutes or less. Until in 1952, a 25-year-old named Roger Bannister did. And he broke that barrier, which was more mental than physical. And the moment he broke it, he changed the world. Because since 1952, about 1,500 people have broken the four-minute mile. Heroes show us what's possible. Uh, For years, many people didn't think that human beings were meant to, nor could they, climb and ascend Mount Everest. Until in 1953, Sir Edmund Hillary, along with his Sherpa, uh, climbed the final ascent. And he did it. And since 1953, 
when they summited Everest for the first time, by some estimates, well over 6,500 people have summited Mount Everest. And many of those do it, have done it multiple times. You'll see pictures of, of lines of people waiting to get up to the summit there at Everest. Well, before then, they didn't think it was possible, but Sir Edmund Hillary did it with his Sherpa, and, and they, together they did it, and once they showed it was possible, then everybody knew that it was possible, and they said, if he can do it, we can do it. For years, uh, we didn't think human beings were meant to fly. We thought that was something for the birds and not for human beings. And, and there were lots of people who thought, well, maybe we, we think we can do it. And the Wright brothers at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina in 1903 had just mere seconds of flight. But it was all that we needed because now there's over 100,000 flights every day in the world from passenger to cargo planes and military deliveries all over the world. And it started with just two brothers making it happen. Heroes are people who show you what's possible. And so when you think of your own journey, maybe you don't think it's possible until you read the accounts of the heroes of the word. The heroes of faith. Men and women who trusted in God. People who feared God like Noah did, people who trusted God like Abraham did, people who battled for God like David did and Gideon did. You see, heroes of faith, different from heroes of the earth, heroes of faith show you what's possible with God. So we need to have heroes. I got a question for you. Who's your hero in the faith? Who is the man or woman who inspires you? who led you to Christ, who models Christ for you, people who show you what faith looks like, uh, people who show you what it looks like to follow Jesus so closely. Maybe they're not even alive anymore. Maybe they've already graduated. But, but you should have a hero, maybe more than one. And if they're still alive, I hope you get the opportunity to tell them how much their walk means to you. It's, it's really important, and sometimes in our culture, we really want to do it ourselves. We want to pull ourselves by our own bootstraps. But the, the Scripture shows us the pictures of the heroes of men and women of faith for a reason. And we can look to them, and we can also just look around. Take a moment for a second and stop looking at me. Some of you are already there. Thank you. Uh, just, just look around the auditorium for just a moment. Take take. 30 seconds and look at someone besides the preacher and look at the people in the pews, people who are living today, people who have gone through health conditions and and have fought cancer and people who have struggled and people who have gone through some things and they are here. I mean, I tell Charlie and Betty Lee every time I see them, I thank you for being here, not because it's easy, but because they inspire me to say that no matter what we're going through, we need to be here at worship. That's a beautiful and wonderful example. And, and I look around and I see people who've gone through hardship and loss and grief and who've lost someone, and, and they are here. And those people inspire me. And I know we have online, and my apologies to those of you watching online, because you're just not going to get this. 
as powerfully, but there's a reason that we need to be together. Not in a legalistic way, but, but the Apostle Paul said, I long to see you. He longed to see his brothers. He couldn't always do it. Sometimes he was in a prison cell. Sometimes he was halfway around the world converting Gentiles. But he longed to see his brothers and sisters in Christ that he may gain something and, and be encouraged in his faith. And, and we all here, right now, today, in this moment, in this minute, have the opportunity to help, encourage, and inspire someone else. So I hope that you have a hero. But more than that, I hope that you'll choose to be a hero. What kind of example are you going to be for someone else? If you want to turn there, you can go to 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, or you can just trust me on it. <laughs> Paul says, Paul writes rather, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. People need to see that. And, and we need to increasingly take it upon ourselves to act in such a way to be someone else's hero. Now, you... Hear me carefully here, okay? Jesus is our ultimate hero. I, I know you're not the savior of anybody. What, what I'm saying here is exactly what Paul says. We need people who show us what faith looks like and show us how to live it out. And so, parents, your kids need a hero. They need to see mom or dad at the dinner table in the early morning hours with their Bible open and head bowed. Grandparents, your grandchildren need to know that you love them and that you're praying for them every day. Our, our kids and our, our grandkids and, and the next generation need to see us in worship. I know this whole month we don't have children's training hour. That actually doesn't bother me so much. Because our, our kids need to see us in worship. If you're an older Christian, you've been a Christian 40, 50, 60 years, I'm guessing that who you are today has everything to do with what you saw your mama and daddy do or your grandparents do. Well, we need to be that for someone else. And so occasionally, every once in a while, it's good to have the kids in here with us so that they see what that looks like. So that so deeply embedded upon their mind and heart is my family worshiping the Lord, that they never forget that. So we need to be a hero. Second, as you run, it's not just good to have a hero, but it's best to make sure that you are running light. The scripture says, uh, Hebrews 12 says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. When you're running, if you've ever ran in a marathon or maybe you're like me and you're sort of a marathon watcher type, um, you realize that all the runners, whatever their skill level, they have one thing in common which is how they're dressed. In fact, I, I know I'm not the guy, but we've got a few runners here at Northside. So let me ask um, Luke Griffith. Come here. 
So, so Luke Griffith, <laughs> um, this kid, you just look at him and you go, here's a runner. <laughs> okay. Uh, Luke, how long have you been running cross country? Um, since middle school. Since middle school. So three, how many years? Yeah, about three. three years. Okay. So you've been running for three years, right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you run a lot of miles. Mm-hmm. You do a lot of training. Yep. It's important to dress properly for a race. Yes. Okay, we know that's true. So I thought I would um, let you model what, what good running attire looks like. Is that, <laughs> is that okay? Sure. Okay, all right. Let me see here. Let's find, uh, yes, there we go. That is the Goddard High School cross-country running attire. That's good looking. Yeah, go ahead and button that up. Yes, yes, heavy wool coats. <laughs> That is perfect. There's something missing here, though. You're still, I mean, you're not, you got to, we need something else. We, we need some more running attire, don't we? Yeah, we do. Let's see here. How about this? How about we take this bag full of books? You just put that on your back. Right there. Good. Okay. Very good. All right, now, are, are you ready to run, yeah. Luke? You're, you're just excited and thrilled. Okay, we're going to have you do like 10 laps around the parking lot. <laughs> now, if you could turn and face me for just a second so they can see the, the profile here. We, we have this. Go ahead and do the whole twirl. Yeah, let's just, let's just do it. Yeah. <laughs> the problem, of course, we see in this silly example is that Luke, the great runner that he is, understands that I'm an idiot. And some of you are already there. But you, you, you realize, of course, that it's impossible for Luke to be serious about running when he's so weighted down. Take this off for a second. And yet, there are so many of us in our race of faith that carry stuff around like it's a badge of honor. You don't know what I struggle with. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've hurt. You don't know how they hurt me. You, you don't know what's been done. You know how busy I am? I don't even have time to come to church. We're real busy. Our kids are busy too. We got a lot of stuff. We got all this stuff that's weighing us down. And Luke would say, you can't, you can't run with that. You, you're going to wear out in the first hundred yards. You, we've got people who have a coat here, who who dress in a way that is inappropriate for running. They're not ready to run because they haven't thrown off everything that hinders and everything that so easily entangles. Now, mercifully, I'm not asking you to take off any more clothes, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Luke. Have a seat. But what we can learn from Luke is the lesson of running, and that's this. If you're going to run, dress for the race. The Hebrew writer says, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. The ESV uses this term that I like, of, uh, or the NIV, rather, uses this term that I like called Uh, weights and sins. These two ideas that there are sins 
the things that are spiritually detrimental to us, the, the, the things that are holding us back and keeping us from Christ and ultimately will cause us to, to give up on Christ. And so he says, throw off the sin and every weight. There's these things that are not necessarily sinful, but they are not helpful in our race. So what do we do with our sins and our weights? Well, first, we've got to be honest about them. Um, if you have sins and weights in your life, and you're not running the race that you should, it does no good to come to church, and, and someone says, how are you? And you say, I'm fine. I'm fine. One of the biggest lies on Sunday. What? <laughs> Could you imagine what his coach would think if Luke was lined up to run here in the spring and, and, and he's wearing an overcoat and, and carrying a backpack? His coach would lose his mind. What are you doing? Throw that off. Get rid of that. So we got to be honest about those things. This morning, I was walking by, Kimberly Yakely uh, was right here, and she said, how are you? And I said, we're doing okay. And I followed that up with, I'm pretty stressed, and I'm a little anxious. Because I knew I was going to talk about this point. Christians are in this running club together and we have to be honest about what we're going through. And that, you have to use discretion on that, okay? I don't want you bearing open your soul to a first-time guest, okay? That, that, that's not really what we're talking about. But, but you get a trusted, mature Christian brother or sister in Christ, somebody that you know, somebody that you've had some history with. You've got to be able to, to set some stuff aside. You have to be able to lay some things down. You have to be honest about that. That may involve, if it's a sin, it may involve prayer. You may ask Justin Abraham or one of our shepherds to pray with you, and they'll do so. Maybe you need to repent in a public way. Maybe you need to just, to just get some accountability in your life. Maybe you need to open up about some things that you've been holding on to for way too long. Maybe you need to come to Celebrate Recovery on Thursdays. And this is what I love about Celebrate Recovery is it's a place that you can be honest about your sin and about laying it down. Second, you, you've got to replace some weights. Now, I, there are some kinds of weights that we have that weigh us down, but you, you know that there are people who get serious about running that actually run with weights. That's crazy. I can barely run without. I got enough weight, okay? But why do they run with weights? To strengthen them. And, and they train in that way. And so sometimes we have things in our life that need, we need to replace one weight for another. Oh, okay, let me get practical with you. Pull out your cell phone for just a minute. Now, uh, what I'm about to have you do I haven't tested on an Android, okay? I think it, there's probably a similar function, but I'm an iPhone guy, so 
uh, Android people teach me how to do it. But on, on the iPhone, they have this tool that's a little bit, a little bit challenging. It's known as screen time. Can I ask you for just a second, would you open up your screen time app if you have an iPhone? And if you have an Android equivalent, open that up too. You know, I, I don't know if it, it's on purpose, but my screen time always goes off on Sunday. And it tells me the truth about how much time I really had. So if, if you open up the screen time app, and you type, or you just pull it up, it should show you how much time you've been on this device every day this week. And I got the notification this morning. Nine hours, ten minutes. Ugh. Now this really hits you when you say, well, I don't have time to read my Bible. Uh, I'm not, I don't really have time to get the Bible class. I mean, we just, just worship's fine. It's, it's fine. Ugh. You know, I, if we miss a couple Sundays, it's fine. I'm not saying you have to completely go Amish and just throw this in the trash. But of nine hours and ten minutes, what if I took three of those hours and devoted it to the Lord? You see, we have an obligation to continually be removing things that don't help us and replacing things with things that do. If you're honest, how much is screen time? How much Instagram did you consume? How much TikTok did you consume? How much social media did you consume this week? And you say, you know, God sure seems distant to me. Weights are those things that are not necessarily sinful. I don't think Jesus is necessarily against an iPhone or an Android. But sometimes this is not really helpful. And we need to find ways to replace the weights in our lives, the things that are weighing us down with weights that actually will strengthen us and encourage us. And so as you run, make sure you stay the course. The scripture says in Hebrews 12, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You see, there's a difference between running and running with perseverance. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you want to turn there very quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, the Apostle Paul writes this in a, a section that he's talking about his own journey and his own rights as an apostle and so forth. But he says this to the church at Corinth. He says this to the Christians. Do you not know, this is 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, which was the, the crown, the trophy, the, the first place of the day. But we, an imperishable. I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under my, 
under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul says, we must run with perseverance. It's not just enough to to enter the race, to register, to put on your bib and just kind of meander along through your Christian race. Paul says, you're going to run, you've got to run in a way that you obtain it. Now, we're not, our, our, our competition is not against one another. He's just saying, you've got to run almost against yourself. In other words, discipleship is not a dash or a sprint. As Eugene Peterson famously wrote, it is a long obedience in the same direction. Running a marathon starts with a decision, and it requires daily discipline and serious training But you'll never finish the race unless you start. The eve of the marathon was a ritual of meticulous preparation. Sarah had laid out her race uniform, each piece chosen for the highest performance. She had selected the lightest clothing and shoes as light as feathers. The playlist that she curated was motivation for her heart and mind for each step of the journey. As she stood at the starting line, the culmination of her preparations converged into a single moment. The sunrise bathed the city in a warm glow, and the air buzzed with the collective anticipation. Sarah, surrounded by her fellow runners, felt a surge of gratitude for the discipline, for the dedication, for the determination that brought her to this point. The starting gun echoed through the city streets, and Sarah surged forwards, each step a testament to the countless miles, the early mornings, and the unwavering commitment that had defined her preparation for the race. The marathon was not merely a race to her. It was a celebration of the journey that led her there. May we be serious about running with Jesus. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. My question for you this morning is, are you ready to run with Jesus? Oh, it's going to take commitment There will be times that it's hard, and there will be times when you want to give up. But it is so worth it. As we've watched recently as John Downey and Polly Shorten and others have reached the finish line in their race, we are inspired in our own race. You will never finish your race until you start. And starting is that it all begins with the decision, and that's where you are right now. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you decided to run with Jesus? And are you ready to begin this race that will change your life on earth and will change your life for eternity? If you're ready to start, that decision lies within your hands. If you're ready to begin, we'd like to help you with that. We'd like to help you get registered for the race by putting on your race gear, which is not anything physical, but which is everything spiritual, to put on Christ in baptism. 
And if you haven't done that this morning, we'd be happy to help you do that. We're going to sing a song in just a moment, and if you'll head to the back, our shepherds will be there. Just tell them, I'm ready to begin my race with Jesus. I'm ready to put him on in baptism, and we'll make it happen today. And maybe you've started, but you've gotten distracted along the way. And uh, you'd like our prayers, or you'd like the shepherds to pray with you, or you need some extra people to help you in your race. If we can help you in that way or in any other way, our desire is to do so. Let's run together, as together we stand and sing.